Okay, so we are in the book of John, the Gospel of John. And John has been writing to us, remember he's the last Gospel to be written. And uh, he, is, he has been taking uh, what, what I've called teachable moments. So he, he will be taking a section, a, 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 an event that occurred, and we actually started this event uh, last week, if you'll remember, with Jesus the light of the world. And he talked about the light. What does light do to darkness? Chases it away. If you have light, you can't have darkness. They cannot coexist. And so he, he's talking about this light. And, and as we ended last week in verse 30, it says, as he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. Now, I want to be careful about what he's talking about here. He's not talking about salvation. Many of these people are beginning to believe that this guy may be, may be the Messiah. This guy could be the one that was prophesied. And he's been having these... Uh, He's been preaching with these people, and over time, they've seen the miracles. And we kind of have a number of different people who are believing. Now, we have the, uh, the Jewish leadership, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, that wanted to kill him. Now, they did not believe he was the Messiah. Not all of them. We, we, we have some that may have. Nicodemus would have been one of those because... He came to Jesus early on and said, you know, tell me about what's going on here. And Jesus said, you must be born again. He was very open with Nicodemus. Uh, so we have the religious leaders that, that pretty much, they were the persecutors. They wanted to kill him. They were setting traps for him. They would, they would bring somebody. Last week we saw them bring in the woman who was caught in adultery and say, should we stone her? And Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all went, they all left because they were convicted by their own sin. And then we have those who were not really sure. Some of them said, well, he's the prophet as, uh, as spoken of in Deuteronomy. He's the new Moses. Maybe that's who he is. We're not really sure. They were the seekers. They were sticking around to hear the message because every time Jesus spoke, they were like going, oh, maybe, maybe, I'm not quite there. Is he the Messiah? I don't know. And so they were sticking around because they wanted to hear the message. And then you had those who believed in him. Now, when it says that, it means those who believed he was the Messiah. But they, but they hadn't got to the place where they, were, they had come to a place of salvation. And we'll see that in the message this morning. So turn to, to uh, John chapter 8. And we're going we're gonna to start out with the first two verses, 31 and 32, and see what he says. So Jesus was saying to these Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, 
then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And we hear that, the last, the verse 32, we hear that quoted a lot, don't we? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Because what, what does everybody want? Everybody wants to be free, right? I mean, you want to be free from a lot of different things. But he starts out with, so Jesus was saying to those, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. So as he talks about this, he's encouraging them to move from believing that I'm believing in the Messiah to truly being disciples. Now, what does it mean to be a disciple? You got to act on it, right? You got to hear it, and then you got to do something with it. Now, don't now, folks, don't get this confused with salvation by works. Not at all, because because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and we are saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. He's saying, if you truly become somebody that is going to be a disciple, not just somebody who says, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. There's a lot of people who believe in Jesus, aren't there? Right? Did you know that Muslims believe in Jesus? They believe he was a prophet. Mormons believe in Jesus. They believe he was a God, little g, not the God. And, and most people, if you were to go out and uh, take a survey on the street and say, do you believe in God? They would say, yes, do you believe in Jesus? And they would come up with all kinds of different answers for you about who Jesus is. I mean, historically, if you don't believe that there was a Jesus, you have a problem with history. Right? So there was a lot of, matter of fact, James tells us what? You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons believe and shudder. Even, even Satan knows that Jesus is, is the Messiah. And he works his wiles to try to get people to not believe. Or to believe something that's watered down. But Jesus said, if you're going to believe in me, you also have to continue in my word... Right? So that you will truly become disciples. And that is one of those things. As a matter of fact, Jesus, the last command that he gives before he went to heaven, when he was standing with the disciples on the Mount of Olives and being ready to ascend into heaven, in Matthew records these words, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make believers. Oh, what? Did I get that wrong? Go therefore and make what? Disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, 
And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When you teach something, you continue in the word, right? And so Jesus, when he left, he told us, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to believe, but there's not going to be a lot of people who will become disciples. And that's what he was encouraging them to do. And then in 32, he says, and you shall know the truth, okay? Is there a difference in believing in something and knowing something? Absolutely. Absolutely. And he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. Now we have a little bit more of an understanding when we read this. We have to know something for sure before it's going to set us free. And the wonderful thing is that Jesus first said, salvation will set you free from the penalty of sin. It'll set you free from the penalty of sin. That is salvation, folks. Jesus said, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He paid every sin that we could commit. He paid it on the cross. That's what we're going to look at on Good Friday. It was on the cross that our, he bore our sins. And he says, in salvation, when you come to truly believe in who I am, not just believe, oh, he's the Messiah. If you truly believe in who I am, you're going to be set free from the penalty of sin. Hallelujah. Amen. Because when we get to heaven, we're going to stand and, Jesus, and God's going to look down and he's going to see the blood of Jesus that's taken care of every sin I've owned. Every sin I've done. That's released us from the penalty of sin. Salvation is such a wonderful thing. It frees us knowing that we are, as we looked at last week in Ephesians chapter 2, that we are, the moment we're saved, we're seated in heaven. Positionally, we are already there. Salvation sets us free from the penalty of sin. But discipleship, being a disciple, sets us free from the practice of sin. It should. As we begin to know God's word and, he, and the Holy Spirit speaks in our heart and says, you know what? Shouldn't be doing that. Now what do I mean by the practice of sin? Does that mean that we will, once we become a disciple of Christ, we will never sin again? Oh man, no way. No way. We, we're all, I mean, we walk this earth one step at a time and, 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 and it's like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. But it frees us from the practice of sin. That means in our lives, as we grow closer to Christ, he's going to start cleaning our lives up. Because if we look back, and once again in Ephesians, what did it talk about in, in 1 through 7? It talks about what we were when, before we came to Christ. We were just like the world. We were like our, our father of this earth, Right? We walked in sin. And as God cleans us up, now this is 
this is a progressive thing. We don't, once we get saved, God doesn't go, you'll never sin again. But we have all kinds of sin, don't we? Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12, 1 says this, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Right? We get those sins. And they just get in the way. They, they just come and they wrap themselves around our feet and trip us and we go smack on our face. And as we go closer with Christ, what happens? He says, I, I want to help you get rid of these things. You know, a lot of people look at this and they, they think of addictions. They think of, of alcoholism or drug use or, or whatever addiction that is, pornography, really whatever the addiction is, that's what most people think of. But how about the sin of pride? Anybody have a, you know, oh, well, look at me. Look at, look at what we did yesterday. You know, we can, we can have the sin of pride. Or maybe that sin of not quite telling the truth. What do we call that? Oh, it's called a lie. Oh, I'm busy today. I can't go out to coffee with you. Well, where the reality is, is, eh, you know, I'm not really sure I want to hang out with you. Maybe we need to start telling the truth, right? Whatever that is, as we become disciples, God will take that away from us. He will help us to get rid of the practice of sin in our lives. Well, let's move on to uh, John 8. Let's look at uh, 33 through 38. Then Jesus answered him, We are Abraham. Then they answered him, answered Jesus, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say we will become free? And Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son does remain forever. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak of things which I have seen, which my Father before you also, therefore you also Okay, let's start that one again. I speak of the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you have heard from your father. We're just going to stop there for just a second. We're slaves to what? Sin. You see, they were saying, we're, Abraham, we're free men. Because in their thought, in their thought of Jewish belief, they were free. But is that the reality? I mean, they spent 400 years as slaves in Egypt. They came out of Egypt. They spent 40 years wandering the, the desert because they were slaves of their own unbelief. Then they came into the land and they lived in the land for quite a while. And then they sinned against God and they became the slaves to the Assyrians. 
and then the Babylonians. And at the time that they were speaking, the Romans ran their society. They were not free, but they totally missed the point, didn't they? Because Jesus, and I love it when Jesus does this. He just comes and he puts his thumb right on it. You're slaves to sin. You ever have God do that to you? Lord, this hurts. Here, let's see. You're a slave to sin. Wow. And he just lets them know you've missed the point. You are slaves to your own sin. And, and especially when he starts talk, when he talks to the Pharisees, they had written a whole law that they were slaves to. How many steps can you take on the Sabbath day? What can you do on the Sabbath day? What, do you, what does this person need to do uh, over here? They had all these laws that they lived under. They were slaves. And, and in the church, can we get slaves to be slaves to legalism? I don't, go, I don't drink, smoke, or chew or go with any girls that do. You can add whatever. There's the dirty dozen. You know, we don't do these things. Heaven forbid, play cards. You know, oh, you know, we can add our, we can become slaves to our own legalism. And so he's saying, listen, you're slaves to your own sin and you don't realize it. Remember what just occurred? The adulterous woman, right? He who is without sin cast the first stone. Did, was he saying, look at your own sin first? And so as he, he looks at them, you're not getting this. He says, you are slaves to your own sin. And I want to set you free. He who is he who the Son, capital S-O-N, he who the Son sets free will be free indeed. I want to set you free from the penalty of your sin. Then I want to set you free from the practice of your sin by making you my disciples. Well, let's go on to uh, 49 through four, or 39 through 47. And they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you're seeking to kill me. The man a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You are going, doing the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from, the, from God for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. 
Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God, and for this reason you do not hear them, because you are not of God. He poses the question, who's your father? I mean, today we'd probably say, who's your daddy? Who is your father? Because first they claimed what? Abraham's our father. We're free because we're sons of Abraham. And then when that doesn't work, because they say, if you did the deeds of Abraham, what did Abraham do? He believed God. He obeyed God. I mean, he left everything he had and followed God. Now, was he a perfect man? Absolutely not. But he had, Abraham had faith in what was to come. But he, he is saying, you want to kill me? Abraham wouldn't have done that. Abraham wouldn't have tried to kill the spokesperson of God. He said when they, when they came to, uh, when God came to him and said, hey, you're going to have a baby when you're 100 years old. And, and uh, Sarah's 90. He didn't say, I don't, want to, I don't want to raise no kids in this age, day and age. I'm going to kill you. you know? he, he didn't say that at all. No, he said, wow, I, I want to believe in what you're doing. And, and when he did, it, and he went so far as to what? When God told him, take Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice. Man, that would be hard, wouldn't it? This is, this is the son of that God gave him in his old age. And now you want me to kill him? Okay, Lord, because if you can create a son at 100 years old, you can certainly resurrect my son if I offer him as a sacrifice. He believed in what God was doing. And so first they claimed that, and then they said, they claimed God is our father. He says, well, if God was your father, you would do the things of your father, right? He said, and then he, once again, he puts his thumb on it, doesn't he? You're of your father, who? The devil. You're of your father, the devil. And he gives three proofs. He said, number one, you want to kill me. And it says, the devil is the murderer from the beginning. Did, did, did the devil murder Adam and Eve? He certainly did in that by his lie, by his lie, God said, you don't now have, do not have the opportunity to take of the tree of the fruit of life. And as surely as he stabbed them with a dagger, he condemned them to death. Yes, they would live, live much longer. But in that same fashion, he condemned each one of us to a life of sin. From the beginning, he was, he was a murderer. He was the one who, who caused Adam and Eve to sin. Secondly, he says, the devil is a liar and the father of lies. And you're like him. 
I mean, over and over and over, you can see where they would come and they would bring people in to falsely accuse Jesus. I mean, when we get to the trials that took place before the crucifixion, they brought people in and they were contradicting each other. They couldn't even keep their story straight. That was one of the things I loved as a police officer. I loved trials, especially the ones we got to sit in on. Because somebody would come up and they would, and obviously they didn't know what was what, was what because they would get up there and, and they would make all these statements and then, then the defense attorney or the prosecutor would, would get up there and say, well, now didn't you say and read from their initial statement that they gave at the scene, well, I may have been mistaken. Uh, you know, but he's a father of lies, and you guys are just like that. You even lie about your own sin. And then the third thing he says, the devil doesn't believe in the truth. The devil does not want you to believe in the truth. Because what happens when you believe in the truth? It sets you free. He says, he says you're like your father, the devil. Well, let's, let's go on and, and let's finish this chapter out, 48 through 59. And the Jews answered him and said, you have not rightly, you, we'll start this one over again. <laughs> The Jews answered and said to him, do, do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father. And you dishonor me. <laughs> Who's the liar here, right? You dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Whom? Do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you do not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And so the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. He is talking to them about becoming true disciples. And, and he says, true disciples follow my word. What, what, uh, 
verse 51 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Keeping God's word. He's, he's saying a true disciple follows the word of God. He keeps it. He follows it. James 1.22 tells us, But prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. You see the difference? There's a lot of people who hear God's word. They hear it every Sunday. And then they go out and they live whatever life they want to live for the rest of the week. And then they come back on Sunday and they hear God's word again. But they're not doers of the word because if, if, the, if you are a true disciple of Christ, what happens in your life? You want to do what? A, you want to do what he says. And what is, what is our verse for the year, right? The first commandment is this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. The second is like unto the first, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Once you get saved, you shouldn't be sitting there going, hmm, I wonder what I should do with all of this, this word of God that I read or this word of God that I hear. That shouldn't be, it should be second nature. Oh, I need to be kind. I need to be gentle. I need to have self-control. I need to have patience, the fruits of the Spirit. We, I need to have love. Even to, the, even to that guy at church that I don't like. I'm supposed to love him. What? Come on. But they follow God's word. They're doers of the word, not just hearers only. And then they talk about Abraham. And, and you know, Abraham, when we look, because he was in the Old Testament, right? How did he come to faith? How did he come to salvation? He came because he looked forward. Abraham had faith in God that was coming. In Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's, there's a whole big section. I'm just going to pick out two verses. By faith, he, Abraham, lived as an alien in the land of promise. God, you told me to come here. You told me you were going to make me a great nation. It's me and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac. Wow, that's not a very big, great nation, is it? Oh, and we're going to take Isaac out of the, or Ishmael out of the picture because he was born. Yeah. So he said, I came in a foreign land, a land of promise. You promised me this land. Abraham never got to see that fulfilled. He, he said, we dealt dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Even they didn't see the promise totally fulfilled. For he was looking for what? A city. Which has foundations whose architect and builder is God. <laughs> is that us? Are you looking for a city? I hope you are. What's our city that we're looking for? Heaven. The, the new heaven and the new earth one day. And it's an amazing city. Go to, go to Revelation 
chapters 21 and 22 and see what this new heaven and new earth look like, you're going to go, wow! I want to go there. 16,000 miles wide. High. It's a big cube. You can put, you can put, they did the math. You can put all the occupants of the earth easily in it right now. He said, he said this, and that's just in the city. We're looking just like Abraham looked to a city that he did not know. He dwelt in tents his entire life. Never lived in a city. And God says, it's yours. You just have to believe it by faith. And then I love the way Jesus wraps up this message to these people. In verse 58, he says, And Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, remember where he's at. He's in the temple. He's preaching in the temple. And he says to them, before Abraham was, I am. The great I am. The same I am that met Moses at the burning bush. And when Moses said, who do, who, who do I say is one sending me? And said, tell them, I am sent you. He makes no bones about who he is. He says, Jesus said, I am. Now, why is that important? Because of the cross. If he wasn't God, dying on the cross, he would have been just another human. He would have been just another man who died on the cross at the hands of the Romans. He couldn't have done anything for us. But because he was, I am, he could take upon himself the sin of the world. Remember where we started this? If you're truly disciples, you will know the word. And the truth will what? Will set you free. Will set you free from the penalty of your sin. When we, when we see the cross... And we realize that when he hung on that cross, he endured all of the sins, yours, mine, everyone's sin, on his shoulders, on that cross. Because when he talked to our, our disciples, when they were in the upper room, he said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. 